Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to the show for the first time in 2016 we're well we're under the regular format now and joining us from auto action and of course the fairfax media group it's mark Vody. good evening folks G'day, Craig. We're back. Yes. We're bad. Oh, really? Are we bad this year? John, oh, yeah. I hope you got the memo. John Batten from VRX Magazine, formerly Auto Action. Uh, well, I guess some of us are naughty and nice. Uh, I'm not sure which side of the ledger yourself and, and Fogs are on this evening, but um, I'll try and play the nice card for us, eh? Oh, okay. You're playing out of character then, John. Oh, who knows? We'll see how we go. <laughs> well, I, I guess with a new year, there comes new hope. If I could uh, steal a subtitle from the Star Wars, how many movies is it now? Seven. And a new hope perhaps is a bit forlorn for many drivers who'll be out on the track this year, folks, because there's, although the car of the future is a new car, there's some pretty old kit on the racetrack at the moment. A lot of new kit, though. Amazing how many of the teams have actually built new chassis for this season, and there was a flood of them. Well, not a flood. Maybe a, a bit more than a trickle of cars that were able to do some um, preparation. What do they call it? That 60-kilometre uh, shakedown they were able to do before the official tests. Um, so there is a bit of new equipment around in, in a lot of the teams, but um, it'll be the same old fortunes up the front, I fear. Perhaps DJR Team Penske will probably be um, the biggest mover among the, the challenges, but uh, I see it being mainly a fight within Triple Eight itself amongst Jamie Wincup, Shane Van Gisbergen, and uh, floating around that mayhem will be Craig Lowndes. It'll be interesting to see whether Pro Drive Racing Australia can uh, get up and defend their title. Um, just whether they'll be in that mix. Hard to tell at this stage. John, where do you see 2016 as far as the opportunities, the excitement for yourself? Well, I think the real excitement is the amount of team and, and driver changes. I, I don't think we've had this level of excitement about a change for the sport probably since the car of the future was introduced. And really, it, it has been a case of musical chairs. Uh, I think what folks touched on then is is dead right. I think the battle between Shane Van Gisbergen and Jamie Wincup this year is going to be absolutely fascinating. And it will be interesting to see as to how Craig Lowndes reacts to all that, given that he's now sort of essentially in a a third car and he's got a, a new team around him, you know, he'll have a point to prove as well. And he'd love to upstage those two guys. And 
And really, uh, also, you know, other interesting points, like Will, Will Davison moving to Techno, will he be able to have a similar, if not better, run than Shane did at that team? Uh, and once again, folks mentioned DJR. I, I think, you know, they'll be a team that will really be fighting for podiums and wins, um, particularly uh, towards the second half of the year. Mm. There was the, uh, of course, change this year with no official test day, folks. Do you think, the series lost any momentum at all by not having that one super test? I think it did. The previous format um, was unwieldy and it didn't quite work, but just leading the cars loose in individual tests, one up at Queensland Raceway and then um, a few days later, um, a hugely crowded test at Witten Raceway uh, fell a bit flat, um, particularly as the weather in uh, both cases, was unusually hot, and I'm not sure whether we actually learned a lot, um, except that you know, even even when it's baking, the new Winton surface is pretty quick. But otherwise, there was uh, certainly a, uh, a huge lack of occasion in both events. So I think the eight supercars need to rethink for next year. Not not so much the big grand two-day official test, but they. they they need to give it some occasion and, um, you know, at least make it a pre-season media launch of some kind. Um, my understanding is that uh, the teams, particularly Winton, they didn't really have time, you know, to deal with a lot of the media, or not a lot of the media, the, the few media that had attended just because they were heads down trying to work through their test program. So I would say a little, shall we say, refinement is needed. Mm. And, of course, John, we had the 12-hour, which V8 Supercars are now the uh, organisers of. Perhaps there was some space between the 12-hour and the Clipsal 500 in uh, a few weeks' time, not that far away, to actually have your gala launch like the AFL will have after the NAB Cup, like the Rugby League is coming into. Yeah, most certainly. And I, I think the one thing that, strikes me is that perhaps it was a little confusing for the fans as well. You know, you had some testing going up in Queensland and you had Winton a couple of days later and, and you know, it was difficult to, to gauge, I guess, exactly what it all meant and, and what was going on and, and you know, did the, the fans know um, that, that all this was going to happen? Whereas, I guess, if there was a big main test day, a big launch... Uh, then that message would be would be getting out there. So, look, the other side of the coin is that you know you try something new, uh, and you know you have exposure at two different tracks. Uh, admittedly, I didn't attend either, so I'm not sure how well attended they were or or what the vibe was on the day. But uh, look, I guess I'll go back and reassess and and work out what to do in 2017. Mm. Well, may I suggest that the solution is actually staring us all in the face. And okay, and what am have I looking the, at? Have the pre-season V8 test at Mount Panorama in oh. the midst of the Bathurst 12-hour, which V8 supercars are working towards turning into maybe even as long as a you know a week of motoring and motor racing related activities. They want to boost it up. How good that would that be to have? Um, the pre-season test for the V8s at, at Mount Panorama, maybe say on the Friday or even the Saturday, um, you'd even get even more V8 supercar drivers up there and into the field for the 12-hour and just generally raise 
the whole profile of the of the event because as appealing as the Bath of Twelve Hour is to enthusiasts, you know, it still lacks a lot of grunt out there in the wide world. So anything you can do to attract more attention to that event, um, and that means getting more V8 supercar drivers and possibly V8 supercars up there, I see that as a win-win. It would it would make a great pre-season test venue for V8 supercars. I, disagree. I think. What do you think? I disagree strongly. I I could see the point of having maybe three or four cars there and uh, perhaps some exhibition laps if they've got new liveries. But to have a test day there, I think, would be counterproductive to what V8 supercars and what the teams more particularly are trying to do. The teams at the moment are looking for ways of raising revenue and they've they've outsourced their, um, you know, their their team uh, personnel to GT teams to be able to help the GT teams work in the longer format, which the 12-hour is. They were participants in having manufacturers and, and cars on the track, which was generating an income stream. If they've got to concentrate on a serious test effort, then those personnel have to be focused towards the uh, job of getting the car tested. And I think that would then become counterproductive to the opportunities of raising money through uh, technical alliances, as we saw with uh, a number of the teams over that weekend. I don't see the two as being mutually exclusive. They, they, could, they could run on the same weekend. They're there already. They're there already. Many but of those personnel, and they just switch from one to the other. You know, it's one dedicated day for the V8s. I... My personal anyway, I'm just throwing that yeah, idea out there, John. What do you what do you think? Let, let's hear your wise pronouncement. Huh. I, I I agree with you, um, folks. Certainly from a marketing point. Oh, of he view. always agrees uh, with folks. Never yes. agrees with me. Hang on, yes. hang on. Good hang on you, on. John. I said from a marketing point of view. So yeah. you know, from a PR marketing point of view, I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea because you know Bathurst is is the home of of racing here in Australia. Uh, you get a lot of people, you know, very excited V8 fans going, okay, uh, first first race of the, the year, okay, I'll go to the 12-hour, I'll get my test my testing day in. I mean, it's it's probably a bit of a promoter's dream. Um, but I'd also take Craig's point about uh, what the teams are, uh, are there to do and the objectives that they need to achieve for the test day as well. And maybe with all the distractions of doing that at, at Bathurst, maybe that wouldn't work so well. But, folks, I, I look forward to reading your column in The Age on it. Well, it's primarily, you've hit the nail on the head. It's a marketing and media event. Mm. That, but, that's what we're talking about. You know, that, that's not a meaningful test. I mean, I'm not even sure that the tests undertaken um, just this last week at Winton and the, the week before at Queensland were, you know, particularly valid exercises are just you know extended shakedowns mm. you, so, you, yeah, have a, you have a marketing marketing media is the thrust mm. you know I'm, I'm not even thinking of the technicals it's never occurred to me don't 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 care you know <laughs> just want to get just want to get the cars and the drivers out there get them some um you know a, a big splash before the start of the series proper and i could see it enhancing the 12-hour um week as well so um, the technical side of it, yeah, that's oily, oily business. Leave it to the technical side. Mm. Well, 
whilst we're leaving that to the technical department, we might take a break here on Inside Supercars and be back with plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Fogues and John Bannon, the Premier, as they used to call you. I don't know. Many people still call you the Premier, John? Yeah, that nickname. I had old geography teacher back in high school. But, um, yeah, obviously, uh, with, with, um, with John Bannon's death recently, um, it's, it's probably changed a bit. Um, I won't lie, when I saw the news headlines flash across the... The, the TV screen, it was a bit strange seeing your, your name in, in the context of, of not being alive anymore. So that, um, Gave me a fright. Yes, so um, anyway... What, what had happened to you? Oh, well, folks, I, I didn't receive a telephone call from you asking if I was okay. You know, well, if he's... But if well, he no, because then I realised who it really was. It was the former Premier of South Australia who brought the Grand Prix to Adelaide. Mm. And, and in fairness, I, I probably don't... Um, clout quite as much publicity weight, it would be fair to say. And if you're dead, there's no point ringing your phone, really. No. No, that's that's right. But uh, on, on a serious note, our, oh. our thoughts and condolences to his family. And we're talking South Australia because that's where the Clipsal is run and, of course, that came from what John Bannon was able to do, Premier John Bannon was able to do uh, in getting the Grand Prix there and its legacy has certainly been part of the success of that race weekend. One wow, thing, what a segue. That, that almost masterful. And considering I didn't it, see I didn't see that coming, Craig, I've got to say. I've and, got to tell you, that's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, yeah. 30 years this year in the business, you'd hope you'd learn something over that time. I mean, all. Mm. Whilst we're talking about Adelaide, that used to be the scene. That used to be the scene every year where us assembled media, when there was certainly more of us, would cram ourselves into the media centre and the sometimes executive chairman and other times chairman of the board would sit in front of us and perhaps to some give them a spray for something he didn't like and to others would just regale us with his grand plan and the state of the nation. Unfortunately, we don't get that these days, folks, but uh, I'm going to ask you, were you, James Warburton, what would be the state of the nation? What's the health of the sport like? i got to say, if I were him, I'd be pretty pleased with myself. I think, in fact, I know he has stabilised the sport. It's not the financial train wreck it was when he came on board, what, two and a half years ago. Um, there are always areas where things could be improved and there's room for great improvement. But you've got to say, that the last few years, the on-track product has been excellent. There's been little wrong with the racing. Um, he has 
um, brought money into the sport by doing, um, you know, a proper TV deal this time. It's created, it had created a lot of controversy over um, the fact that it was based on all events being live only on pay TV on Fox Sports and half a dozen key events being seen on free-to-air, the rest of the telecast on free-to-air being delayed. But um, that's been a small price to pay for actually being able to pump money back into the sport and back into the teams and arguably probably save two, maybe three teams from going to the wall. So um, my state of the nation would be one that's pretty positive um, with a reasonable, reasonable amount to look forward to, but um, a lot of hard work still to be done and a lot of that hard work has got to go into the Gen 2 supercar rules, which at the moment are attracting almost zero interest. In fact, not almost zero interest, zero interest. And whilst two manufacturers are no longer on the grid, one officially and one physically, we have got a situation where the grid has increased by one. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a that's certainly a, a positive. I, I think what folks touched on there with the the Gen Two rules. In in some respects, I see this as a question for for next year. How how healthy will the the sport be be then uh, under these new regulations? Will it be healthier? Will it be not as healthy? Will it not have changed much at all? I mean, uh, that's to me the the fascinating point. I think we've got a incredibly um, strong series. We've got a lot of talking points heading into this year and probably in terms of the inner financial workings of the sport and all the powers that be, uh, folks has probably got a, and, and yourself, Craig, have probably got a better understanding of that than, than I do, but, but certainly there's plenty of interest heading into this season. It has, it has got the, uh, the makings of a, a very, very uh, uh, critical year because as folks said, we're not seeing a lot of interest in uh, manufacturer land, yet we are seeing a lot of interest in uh, motorsport in general and we're getting a lot of competitor interest at slightly lower levels than the pinnacle folks. And the, the number and the, and the amount of GT cars coming into the country, the amount of people who are lining up to pay exorbitant prices to race in the Dunlop series... Um, is indicating that something's on the upturn. Yeah, there does seem to be a trickle-down um, among competitors. You're right, there's um, a bit of a mini-boom going on in the Dunlop series. Um, that probably has a lot to do with the fact that the new new, new generation cars, next generation, whatever we're calling them, these days are, um, are now eligible. And we've got a few more junior teams or pseudo-junior teams coming in. And then, as you said, GT is booming. It's just taken off like a rocket. It's incredible. The, the big field they're going to have for their opening round at uh, the Clipsal 500 um, is impressive. And the, the array of cars, the lineup of drivers and teams getting involved, um, including some V8 supercar teams like Techno, um, bodes very well for GT, certainly establishing itself unequivocally um, as the number two category um, in Australia. 
Um, it's been a bit of a mess and there's been a bit of a, well, not even a squabble. I don't think anyone could <laughs> be bothered squabbling, but it wasn't clear amongst all the lower categories, you know, who was going to emerge until now. GT has clearly come out as, you know, as a second below V8, and I include in that um, the development series. Now, it's, it's a big drop from the top down to GTs, but it's certainly, um, GT is very healthy and, um, you know, if you like your cars and you're racing, that will be certainly, you know, in other words, if you're a diehard enthusiast, you'll, you'll be very happy with the GT racing this year. Mm. And uh, so, you, you know, you, you, you could and possibly should argue that there's a, there's a trickle-down going on. Mm. And now, I know the show is called Inside Supercars, John, but I do need to say we have had the demise of what for the punters, maybe not the motorsport purists, has been an interesting story over the summer. And that is that the Utes are in all sorts of dramas and uh, and uh, really it's very unclear what you might be doing if you have a V8 Ute after Clipsal. Well, well this was, a, of course, a, a category that for a, a long time, I guess, almost prided itself as being the number two um, support category to two V8 supercars, or I guess the number one support category to V8 supercars for many years. But, you know, our sport is something that, that evolves. And a fascinating point, I think, out of the one that folk just made is for, for co-drivers, for, for the uh, Enduros, you know, a team's now looking to source their co-drivers from the GT pool rather than, I guess, what has traditionally been the case over the last few years of the development series and, and the Carrera Cup. So, uh, look, uh, it, it's a it's a shame for, for that category, but it, it, it brings up, again, of, of how many categories can you have in Australia and how many um, will, will survive. Uh, we've seen what's happened um, to, to the Formula Ford Championship in recent years and the, and the changes there. And, and these are all crucial discussions because, you know, the drivers from these categories... Uh, are drivers that often aspire to get in the V8 Supercar Championship, our, our premier uh, category in this country. So, you know, there is there is a lot of interest. And we've seen, like, for example, someone like Chris Piver has managed to uh, relaunch his career going down the youth path, and, and we see that he's now got a seat this year. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Mm. V8 youth, so John, was a sideshow. It was. It was, but it, but it was, was a never, it was that never, was very It was popular. never real. You know, it was never a valid, you know, competition category. Really, it was a bit of a laugh, a bit of a curiosity. But, and, but it's gone now down. It's popular. gone down. It's gone. A, well, was it? Again, you know, as a as a filler, as a sideshow. Yes, it was a bit spectacular, you know. But so so are the stadium super trucks. But you know, they're not they're not real racing. They're fun to watch. Hmm. They're spectacular. The stadium trucks take it to the yeah. next level, don't they? They're incredible. Yeah. Well, they are, but you know, they're, but purely as a spectacle, you know, they're, they're, they're not what I regard as real racing. Mm. No, that's true. They're, they're amusement. That's where I draw the line with Utes. I, didn't, I don't say that Utes weren't, weren't valid, but they, 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 you know, they're beginning to run out of road, weren't they? You know, the, you know, the, the traditional Aussie Ute has a very finite life of the next few years. Um, there were plans to turn it into, you know, pickup racing, which, you know, may have had some market appeal. But, I, I, you know, my experience of truck racing and NASCAR truck racing in the United States, you know, in theory, you would have thought 
it would be just, you know, pulling monster crowds and monster interests, you know, but any NASCAR event I've ever been to when the trucks have been on, um, the crowds are just minimal, if not to say miserable, you know, people, mm. I guess really what I'm saying is people don't want to see trucks racing. <laughs> well, mm. on that note, we'll take a break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Welcome back Hi, to I'm Lee Inside Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Talk about one of the changes we'll be seeing on TV this year, and uh, an interesting announcement this week, folks, where uh, Greg Rust has uh, lost his air-conditioned office. He's down in Pit Lane, and Mark Scaife is moving from the uh, the hotel, the Fox Hotel, where he spent a, a bit of his time last year, into the uh, Supercars play booth. Yes, just when we thought <laughs> we wouldn't be hearing Mark Scaife on an ongoing basis again, he's back. This is part of a consolidation of, of the broadcasting production where it's now almost entirely being run, well, it is now being entirely run by what's now known as Supercars Media, V8. Supercars producing, um, well, they've been producing their own telecasts for some time um, under co- and supplying it under contract to the networks. Um, but now there's going to be almost a seamless integration between Fox Sports and Supercar Media. So um, from what I gather from the Fox Sports people, when you switch on the V8 telecast on Friday morning, yes, it'll be introduced by um, the same trio again, Jessica Yates, Mark Scape and Russell Ingle, but they'll be in... V8 supercars or supercars uniform and it will just flow through the whole telecast where V8 is concerned and um, Scapey will do a Martin Brundle and you know scramble up into the commentary booth and um, Neil Crompton effectively becomes Greg Rust. Crompton who you know largely is the voice of V8s and, and, and to me is more an, al- an analyst than a commentator but he's experienced enough. He's going to be largely the, the race caller with Mark Scaife, hopefully, with tight reins on him, doing what he does best, which is analyse and, and pick out the play and tell you what's going to happen or why it's happening. Um, and then Rusty um, moves down into the pit lane where he's he's an absolute tower of strength. He's the best guy in the pit lane that we've ever seen, I reckon. And um, he'll be ably supported, but in a very different manner by Greg Murphy. Uh, and I believe that Rihanna um, Green will still be there as well. So, you know, plenty of talking heads in the pit lane and, you know, a a new, um, well, I suppose a commentary team, you know, led by ex-drivers. So it'll interesting. I'm not sure it's the way I I, I would have gone. 
I still think a traditional race caller um, leading the commentary is the way to go, and it seemed to work pretty well last year. But um, no lack of knowledge, certainly, either in the commentary booth or down in the pit lane this year. John, do we read anything into a move like this? And uh, if I was to see between the lines, it says that Fox, who are doing a, a significant amount of production work, got the viewers in, they got what they thought was their critical mass of how many people they can pull to pay TV by uh, having a, a point of difference and a, and a, a separate analysis and, and production crew. And now it's time to sit back and uh, we've got them now and we save, we, we save some money by going with the uh, all-in production. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point, Craig, and, you know, you may well be, be right. Uh, I guess only the, the various executives at, at Fox Sport know the, the answer to that question. Uh, and, I mean, as folks touched on, it's a, a very experienced lineup. They're all people that have been around for a, a very long time, uh, and I think they all do an exceptional job. So... Yeah, on the whole, um, there's certainly no shortage in, in terms of knowledge and you know the the ability of, uh, of Compton and Scaife to to read the, the play and and to you know let viewers know what's going on is is, is second to none. So look, uh, will it change? I don't know if it'll change much, to be honest. I, I, you know, the, I guess it's created a bit of news this week, but uh, I, I think it's really sort of same same but different. It's going to be very interesting to see what might happen um, with this change. As I, long as it doesn't descend into the boys' club. Well, that's... Yuck it up, you know, yeah, that, really that, inside a sort of chat between them that we had, you know, during those horrible days of the, you know, of the seven telecasts where nobody seemed to have control. It was even worse when you had Larco in there. I mean, each on their own were fine, but when they used to start kidding each other about, you know, whether they could drive or not and, and the days when they were drivers. I mean, oh, save me. Mm. Uh, of course, we have one dynamic yet to play out. We've now seen V8s move to the current sporting model for elite sports, which is a free-to-air pay TV mix. But the one thing that's playing out, and it's playing out in the town that John and I live in as we speak, and that is the eventual day, which is probably two years away, I would suggest, when the weekend on Channel 10 will be known as Fox Sports on 10. And with media ownership laws being uh, changed as we speak, it's going to put a whole new dynamic into what Foxtel can own or what News Limited can own and what other media organisations can own. And I think that could be a very, very interesting dynamic through the course of this television, um, this television agreement which you get in the United States where, for example, you have ESPN on ABC mm. because of the cross-ownership there between the, um, well, ESPN and the ABC free-to-air network, ESPN being a cable network, being owned by the same company. And um, when they do sport on ABC, they run it under the ESP brand. And, um, yeah, well, there is talk of Foxtel at least taking a big stake in 10, isn't there? As soon as those media ship laws get changed, you can guarantee there'll be some shares traded uh, because that's the only it, thing stopping it, it now. But would Fox Sports on 10 be such 
necessarily be a bad thing. I'm saying that's going to be a dynamic that's going to be very interesting to see from all the properties that they have access to what they will transfer over to free-to-air. Will it mean we'll get actually more V8 supercars live because that's a property they can transfer straight over mm -hmm. um, because you've got a 10 Foxtel um, relationship there and you've got to remember that 10's ratings on a Saturday aren't that good. The only reason they don't have more V8s on there is because Foxtel bought the um, bought the, the majority of the rights. If Foxtel now have a free-to-air station, they're going to want to have whatever's going to get them the most revenue. And so that's where I think this, this dynamic and the length of this deal, people haven't looked past the, I can't see it in 2016 or 2015 as it was last year. Um, food, for, food for thought, yes. Mm. I thought you were going to say we're going to get a, a circuit in Canberra when you went down the Canberra Park. Craig, I started to get a bit excited. Uh, yes, well, Scafie's last one was such a success. Why wouldn't he be called back to do it again? Uh, well, when I spoke to Scafie, <laughs> it must have been over a year ago now, he, he said that they were they were close to, to looking, you know, into actually finding a spot for the track. And But I've noticed since that a whole host of new tracks have been listed as possibilities around the country and, and Canberra's doesn't appear to be on the radar at this stage. So... Mm. Look, well, if we want to be truly national, we need a track in the Australian Capital Territory, don't we? That's right. Look, we'll take a break and be back with more here on Inside Supercars. <laughs> Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Supercars. Of course, we are national on Inside Supercars because you can hear it anywhere in Australia, online at sportradio.com.au or at insidesupercars.com.au, vatinsiders.com.au and on all the major music platforms, including iTunes and a whole bunch more. Fogues, Mark Fogarty and John Bannon joining me, Craig Ravel, here. And on this segment, I, I was actually thinking about will we talk about tracks that Scafie's designing to be built, but uh, I thought we might just actually look at some of these driver changes. John, you did a fantastic piece in this edition of VADX magazine going through all those driver changes, and that was a, a mammoth effort in its own, just speaking to them, and that was in a world where there was three drivers that you just had absolutely no idea were going to be on the grid this year. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, it, yeah, it was a bit of a, a game of uh, hide-and-seek as I chased people around Sydney Motorsport Park in December. But, um, oh, I mean, Homebush, I should say. Uh, but, look, th there are tons of changes. And, and you know, there'll be, there'll be some drivers that have be very excited about the moves they've made and, and others who were probably forced into certain moves. Um, now, we already spoke about uh, what's happened at, at Triple Eight earlier on and, and Techno, so maybe we should highlight some of the others. I think 
Fabian Coulthard uh, going to Penske DJR is, uh, you know, that that's a great move for him. It'll be interesting to see how he and Scott Pike can, can push that team forward uh, to what I guess many of us believe will be the, the front of the grid throughout the course of this year. Um, James Moffat has landed a, a great um, drive with, with Gary Rogers Motorsport and, and having Scott McLaughlin as a teammate and for the first time that team having two really top-line drivers that can push each other. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they end up in the mix. They've probably been a bit of a forgotten team heading into into this season with some of the other changes. But you'd think that um, with James and Scott together, that, you know, they'll really push forward. Um, obviously, a big talking point has been um, David Reynolds moving to, to Erebus. Uh, obviously, he probably uh, didn't want to leave ProDrive, uh, but... Uh, he, you know, his hand was forced, I guess, and and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he manages to to lead that team and and what he can achieve there. Uh, so, look, and and Tim Slade moving to to BJR, obviously he, he top testing. We all discussed earlier that that might not necessarily mean much, but um, look, it, it's a good move for him and a chance to rejuvenate his career a bit too. Folks, what I find fascinating is as we sit here on a Wednesday evening discussing V8 Supercars, V8 Supercars' own website only lists 24 drivers in the 2016 championship. They still aren't showing a driver for Car 6. That's a weird one, isn't it? I don't know why. Well, (laughs) Cameron Waters, you know, he tested at Winton and in a plain black livery with bright green flashes so it doesn't leave much to the imagination does it so we know what's going on there um and who, who's the other one remind me uh, uh, blanchard isn't it that's also missing oh you well you better oh, no, he's already been there. out no, no, no he's, he's there um, i'm gartner you mean hi i'm gartner yes he's not i'm gartner there. oh yeah. and yeah, yeah. well there you go. Well, yeah, there you go. There's your answer. We know about both of them. So, mm. to, for their to their own for their own purposes, the teams haven't, you know, formally announced them. But you know, it was always going to be Cam Waters in that car or in Pro Drive um, once Reynolds got his marching orders. Um, and well, Heimgartner seemed to be when the music stopped and there was one seat left. If he was going to go anywhere, that was the one. Whether it's the one he wanted or not, hmm. that's a big question, isn't it? All right. What about the Erebus team? A lot of people have been talking in the off-season, the dropping of the Mercedes, David Reynolds going there, of course, Aaron Russell, who is a nice young guy and has had some success in the Dunlop series, going to be in the second car. Where do you see this whole outfit now down in Melbourne? Where do I see them? Yep. Very much at the back of the grid. And is there any redeeming features for that team in the future? They would think so, but I can't see it, to be brutally honest. It's going to be a struggle for them. Mm. I I can't see it being any other way. In fact, ironically, I think they'll be in a worse position than they were with those orphan Mercedes. Um, 
I hope their optimism is proven to be well placed because I just cannot see it and I, I just think it'll be a great waste of a great talent in David Reynolds. You know, he'll possibly drag his car up further than it actually deserves to be, but beyond, you know, getting into the... You know, I think one of their cars being in the mid midfield will be a big result for them. John... Moff's move to Volvo, what's that going to mean for Scott McLaughlin? Oh, well, I think it's good for Scott McLaughlin. I think it, it's good to be to be pushed. Uh, it'll push the team forward, as, as I said earlier. And look, um, you know, he, he's, he spent a bit of time at, at Nissan and, you know, had done quite well there and more often than not uh, outshone the rest of his teammates. So... Look, I, I think um, it was good of Gary to to pick Moff up. Uh, I think he'll do a, an excellent job. He just seems to be a driver that gets better every year. And I think it'll be a, a fascinating battle between Scott and, and James in the same way uh, it'll be a, a fascinating battle between um, Shane and, and Jamie this year. So, look, uh, where that team ends up, is going to be very interesting. Uh, will they will they be challenging Triple Eight? Will they be challenging Pro Drive? Will they be challenging DJR? Um, you know, it'll be it'll be very interesting. Uh, so look, um, I hope they do well. I think they're a team that has a lot of a, quite a growing fan base, and and I'm sure um, their supporters are happy about the change. Mm. Folks, two drivers I want to ask you about. Um... Hey, can I just say something about? Joe Rogers Motorsport, I mean, there is the biggest question mark hanging over that team as to whether they, not will they progress this year, can they progress? Early signs, not encouraging. They were really all at sea in the Winton test. And even if you dismiss a lot of the relevancy of that, for them to, to be struggling back where they were is a real worry. And, you know, you've got one of the outstanding talents of V8 Supercars and Scott McLaughlin there. He just cannot afford to have another ordinary year, not, not, of, his, not of his making. Um, but, you know, it's he's a one of some key drivers who are out of contract at the end of this season. And uh, you can bet your bottom dollar that there'll be uh, big sharks circling him all year, ready to snap him up. Mm-hmm. All right, so two drivers. What were you going to ask me, sorry? Two drivers, folks. One definitely isn't a Shane Van Gisbergen, but he's in the car that the Giz drove last year, Will Davison. And the second driver is Lee Holsworth, who is may he's been the driver that's had the rug pulled out from under him on a number of occasions. Mm. Yes, yeah, had a remarkable knack of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, hasn't he? Weber-esque, you could say. Yeah, well, almost. I mean, when you think back in, when was it? I, I lose track, but when 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 he left Gary Rogers Motorsport and ended up at Stone Brothers, so what was that, 2012? Sounds right. He, he was actually in line for David Reynolds' drive in the Rod Nash Racing Bottolo entry, how different things could have been. And then he goes to Stone Brothers Racing, and of course that ends up being their last year as a Ford team, and next thing you know he's an Erebus Motorsport driver in these Mercedes does actually score their first victory miraculously at Winton. 
but it all went downhill from there. And then he announced he was re-signing, and then suddenly, yeah, when was that, 2014? And suddenly he's signing with Charlie Schwerkolt. Thought he was going to be driving a pro-drive Falcon. Oh, oops, I'm in a Walkinshaw Holden. And that went well, didn't it? No, it didn't go very well at all. So let, <laughs> Lee Holdsworth, you know, once seemed to be one of the most promising young drivers. His potential is, shall we say, yet to be tapped. And I would think this year is the last chance. You know, they've got this ex Eight Commodore, um, a technical alliance with Eight. Um, that will help, but it's still a small one-car team that Charlie Schwerkold is running. Um, well, he's running his own operation now out of a workshop, small workshop, a cosy workshop, shall we say, in Dandenong. It's, and the whole operation's been run by the former Holden Racing team. Um, team manager, Jeff Greck, who, you know, regarded back in his day in the late 90s and early 2000s as the guru team manager. Well, long time since he was in that position. So um, that team, every, you know, Everything's on the line. It's it's Holdsworth's reputations. Um, you know, it's 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 his make or break move. It's make or break pretty much for Charlie Schwerkold as a team owner. Um, you know, to say that there's everything to play for is a, is an understatement. And um, and Will Davidson, a similar scenario. You know, he's in a one car team, but much better resource. But again, um, heavily linked with Triple Eight. In fact, so much so that he's you know going to be sharing the pit boom with. Craig Lowndes' Team Vortex entry, and, and for Will Davison, who's a driver of, of some quality, we know. Um, this, this is how he gets his career back on track. He he went to Erebus for money. Let's not, you know, beat around the bush. He went for one of the biggest paychecks in the business, and um, he also miraculously scored a win for them in that Mercedes. So at least he took something away, but it was killing his career. So this is his chance to get back on track, and... Uh, he has the ability, and but a very contrasting style to Van Gisbergen, who just relies on you know, sheer skill and flat-out speed. You suspect that Will will possibly give them a much better direction on setup. So, looking promising, but you know, Davo's got to do something this year. Well, we need to take a break. A final thought on the white flag lap up next. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question. Email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought, John Bannon. Well, I just can't wait for the season to begin uh, with just so many uh, changes. Uh, and for me, the, and I've already said it uh, on the program this evening, the talking point is the battle between Shane and Jamie as far as I'm concerned. All right. Uh, Fogues? Largely, I echo that, and I'm certainly looking forward to the battle between Wincup and Van Gisbergen, I think. It's going to be a real test of Roland Dane's diplomacy and, abil and ability to, to manage his drivers. So you can't see it any other way, but they're going to be at each other's, other's throats. You know, you've got Van Gisbergen, he wants to establish himself. He's just 
the most spectacular, the most skillful, unrestrained driver out there still has to learn some discipline, but he'll be out basically the pants win cup. Win cup's honours at stake. He wants to win back his title. You know, he struggled through the first half at least of last year and was sort of a title also ran near the end of it, but equally came on like gangbusters at the end of the series. So, um, you know, he'll be hungry for the sort of level of success that he's used to and he'll certainly be out from the very start to uh, repel this interloper he's got in his team of course while they're battling up front with the Red Bull racing entries you know it it has every potential to turn ugly which is fantastic and of course who, who could just sneak by and just you know old smiley face, just grinning his way to a, a title at last, could, could be Lowndes, you know, sillier things happening. I, I think it'll be fantastic. And then there'll be all the back play of, you know, what Pro Drive Racing and, and Kaz Mostert particularly, you know, what does he do? Does he get amongst it? And, um, and the, the other team that's got to get up off the floor and actually do something as in winning and contending this year is Holden Racing Team. Mm. Well, so, I'm... it's all, it's, it's, there's, there's a, as John said, there is um, a lot to look forward to. Mm. And at uh, the Adelaide Parklands last uh, next week, we'll start beginning to see, well, we will see the first signs of um, who's who in the zoo. Mm. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing Mark. Uh, sorry, I'm w- certainly looking forward to... You're looking to forward s- to seeing me, are you? Uh, oh, I am. I'm looking forward to seeing lovely? you again. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> sweet. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) And also, I'm looking forward to seeing Jamie Winkup not being the most hated man at a motor racing circuit when he gets to pit in front of Craig Lowndes because with the two booms, it's going to make for an interesting dynamic. And also, the idea which I'd been screaming for for probably four years, and that is that wing to bottom and Mostert won't be on the same boom. I think uh, once that is achieved... A few team owners who have had the opportunity to do it over the years will be kicking themselves. Mm. Um, and, of course, more soft tyres throughout the season. That'll more, be exciting, I think. More tyres in general. More tyres, yeah. Mm. That's all we have time for this week on the show. Thanks very much to Mark Fogarty. Thank you, Craig. And uh, in another week after this, we'll see how wrong we've all been this week, won't we? That's right. That's why we did it two weeks out. John yeah. Bannon, thanks for your time. Thank you, Craig. Good to chat with you, folks. As a yes, good flag. As Jenny Flay waves over another edition of the Inside Supercars. Till next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.